Hey, welcome to Trains Live, the Trains.com podcast. Do you like what you hear? Listen, check out this episode in video with a Trains.com unlimited membership. Click the link in the episode notes and watch it today. Oh, wait a minute, not a member? Try our 30-day free trial of Trains.com, the ultimate online portal for anyone who loves trains of any size from any era. Trains.com, it's your home for the most comprehensive railroading news and curated video series, articles, photos, and so much more, all about trains. It's 1938, folks. I visited with my doctor the other day, and he said I have an unusual medical condition that is going to require some specialized care. 1938, he wants to send me to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. How am I gonna get there? No commercial airline flights. Driving's gonna be tough. Looks like I'm gonna be going by train, but how am I gonna how am I gonna do that? Tell you what, stick around for Trains Live. We're gonna unravel this medical transportation mystery next. Welcome to Trains Live. I'm Bob Lettenberger, Associate Editor for Trains Magazine. Hey, we are on location. We have traveled north in Wisconsin. We are in Green Bay, about, about two hours north of Waukesha, where Kalmbach Media and Trains Magazine is headquartered. We are paying a visit to the National Railroad Museum. Now, folks, in Green Bay, you go about oh, half a mile that way, you're on the frozen tundra. Right out the back door here at the National Railroad Museum is the Fox River, the, the lower end of the Paper Valley. You know, if you've got a corrugated box, there's a good chance that it came from a plant here in Green Bay. But beyond paper and packers, let me tell you what, there is some great trains here at the National Railroad Museum. They have got some beautiful pieces. If we look around, let me tell you what, there's a, a big boy poking its uh, cab out over here, number 4017. Just to the next of that is a Pennsylvania Railroad GG1, number 4890, that famous design by Raymond Lee. Got a nice little locomotive here, an 040 tank engine. That used to be the, the shop goat for the Pullman Company uh, down at the... Just a little locomotive to move around the cars as they were being made. And for those of you that are in snow country, listen, I got, I got a piece for you that you need to have for your driveway this winter. How about the old snow plow here from the Escanaba and Lake Superior Railroad? Clean the driveway one loop. You got to get one of these. But listen, go back to that that medical transportation mystery um, I've got this condition from 1938 and my doctor says I need to go to the Mayo Clinic which is in Rochester Minnesota it's the late 30s how am I gonna get there probably gonna travel by train but I'm thinking there's got to be some special accommodations come on over this way folks you know, look down the the row of passenger cars here there's a, a standard Pullman sleeping car down there on the end and we have this this green one here standard Pullman green uh, the Joseph Lister 
And I'm looking at this car, and if this is the one they're going to be having me travel in, I'm noticing something unusual. There are some extra doors on the side of the car. You don't normally see these on a Pullman car. So this, this is a bit of a mystery. Tell you what, let's go inside the car and see if we can figure this out. Come on along. Now, you know, remember, this is the 1930s. And so, of course, you know, Pullman is still the height of travel. It's still the way that we move around the country. So I'm expecting that my accommodations going to the Mayo Clinic probably going to be something uh, pretty nice, probably ample, um, probably plenty of space to take care of me as patient as we go along. So we come into the car. Boy, this looks pretty standard Pullman here to start with. The, the regular diaphragm, the traps, just like you would see on any Pullman car. And we move in and we've got that typical Pullman curve that we come around to get us, well, around the men's room, around the linen closets. And from the inside, there's one of those doors. And it looks like they open inward. And something that I've noticed already, the aisles are a little bit wider here in the car. Let's go on into the sections, those standard Pullman accommodations. Boy, again, a little bit wider. Looks basically Pullman as we're coming through. The, the regular berths with the couches on the lower level that would convert into beds overnight. Um, the berths from the upper part would pull down. So you have those classic Pullman bunk beds, if you will. But I don't know. There's something a little bit different about this car. Let's, oh, down here on this end. Gentleman who I'm sure can explain all of this to us. This is Daniel Litke. He is the curator here at the National Railroad Museum. Good to see you again. Now, I, if you've been watching Trains Live before, tip of the hand, you know I used to work here at the National Railroad Museum. It's one of my colleagues from, from a long time ago. First off, this is the first time I've been in the Lister since you guys finished the restoration. Man, this, this is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, this is... Well, when you saw it last, really, it was still pretty gutted. Um, this is a really interesting car because we've got this great history of it being used as a hospital car. So it was specially designed for a select group of passengers to get people from Chicago to Rochester, Minnesota for the Mayo Clinic. And then it did go beyond that to go to Mankato and they would make a north and southbound trip. Um, when we got the car in the 80s, it did not look anything like this. It essentially looked like a, well, it was a shell of a locomotive. I mean, anyone else looking at it would have just thought, well, this looks like scrap. Um, so we're very fortunate it came to the museum. Uh, someone had the foresight to really want to preserve this history. And, um, and especially since there were only two of these built, the other one is long gone. So this is really the preservation, complete preservation of this whole hospital car uh, idea for Chicago Northwestern. So now if I understand it right, um, the car was in service, as you said, taking patients to the Mayo Clinic. When it came out of service, the Chicago Northwestern did what with it? 
Basically, it was used as a bunkhouse. So if you really consider a railroad clubhouse, so all of this was completely gutted out. So none of the seats were in here, so this all had to be rebuilt. Even the arches up at the top, those were completely cut out, none of the sidewalls here. And even as we go through the car here, some of those walls were removed too. So you still had that front area where the bathroom was, that was still intact as a room. There was nothing in there in the rear. But otherwise, uh, this was just wide open as a bunkhouse where they could store tools as they were traveling along. So, I mean, it was, it was very rough and tumble. I, I can remember a couple of times looking at it when it was out in the shop and there was, you know, where we're standing, there was holes in the floor. You could, you could look down and, and see the floor and, or see through the, the, this floor down to the shop floor. And I remember one day coming into the car and, and one of our, our restoration specialists um, was sitting by the windows and was welding pieces of metal on to refabricate the window frame. So you, there was a ton of work that was, was done on this. Now, where did you start? I mean, how, how you had nothing and there's a certain look to Pullman cars and there's certain fixtures and whatnot. How did this, how did you even get started to get to this point? Well, and this is really an interesting piece because when we look at other cars that we've restored, they really have been a restoration. They've been taking what we have, restoring them back to their original condition. And while we could do that with the outside of the car, the interior of the car really was a rebuild. Um, so when you're looking at kind of that process of just where we even look at things, where we even start, it's kind of that first process of, okay, what is this going, part of this is going to be restoration, what do we need to rebuild? Thankfully, uh, the museum already when it the car first came to the museum, they wanted to restore this piece. So there were already plans in motion that we knew that this needed to be restored, this needed to be preserved. Um, thankfully, the Illinois State Railway Museum or Illinois Railway Museum has the Pullman Library there, so they have all the blueprints for things. So in 2006 already, the museum had gotten the blueprints for the car so that we were able to see things. But even then, when you're looking at uh, doing a restoration, if you don't have the piece, what do you do? Where do you go? What do you, and what really, to me, is one of the most interesting things about this car when it was being restored, you have a hospital car being restored right as a pandemic hits. So right as we're talking about this hospital car and the idea of taking patients from, from one place to another to this main clinic to get, uh, get help, we've got a major issue here around the world with a health crisis. <laughs> Which, you know, that in itself kind of helps tell the story about um, how really not much has changed. You still are going to the doctor. You still have to travel somewhere far to do that. But the other thing that affected us, too, as we were working on this project, well, okay, now we have shipping issues because of this COVID issue. So that also played a huge issue in, into things, too. So the whole process took two and a half years for the actual work here. But prior to that, it was all of the research that was done ahead of time. So we have the kind of behind the scenes with research and then the nitty gritty with getting your hands dirty. Okay, now I want to I back up for a second. You had mentioned the planning and getting the blueprints and really that's the, the, where you figured out what the roadmap was. And I'm sure most folks are familiar with, with blueprints. You know, when you, you build a house, you get a set of plans. You, know, you get a plan for the basement, the first floor, the, the second floor. Blueprints here are a little bit different. You, yeah. you show us yeah, that? This is, well, and especially with this car, like you said, when you're coming in, it looks like your standard Pullman sleeper car. You, you wouldn't really think anything different about it or that it was too special. But then as you walk in, it's like, oh, well, wait, this 
I seem to have a little more elbow room here. This is a little wider. Why is this? Why are the hallways wider? So they did do a few extra things with this compared to other cars. And even when we looked at the blueprints too, there's an extra cushion, a rubber layer in between the trucks and the body. So that added some extra spring to it, a little kind of shock absorption and sound absorption. So for the passengers on here, so when they were designing it to begin with, they really took the passenger's considerations, uh, even with the diaphragms, those were spring hung, so that would be a little less noise too. Thankfully, you know, it's one thing to talk about this or read it in a book, but if you don't know what it looks like, if there's not a picture, you're stuck. You're, you're imagining this. There's, yeah, you, there's, a, there's a, the mental picture, but okay. So what size is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the other thing. What measurements? What, you know, you can make up anything if you want. So with the blueprints that we have here, a lot of these... You know, we had a copy in collections that we got for our preservation so that we have that. And then we made extra copies to go out to the facility, out to our restoration shop, so that our team could work on that. And thankfully, we have a, a fantastic team uh, working on the project with our staff, with Jeff Truckee, Andrew Doscher, and Hank Van Stedham. We've got great volunteers with uh, Dr. Paul Koch, who actually had donated some of the money for restoration of this piece, Mike Pavich, uh, Larry LePage. Jerry Vander Hayden uh, uh, and uh, Jay Froming. So they were all looking at things like this. So looking at, again, if you're looking at this blueprint, this is your overall kind of footprint of the car. So again, very typical Pullman sleeper where you've got our front area where we are here with our eight sections. Okay, we're, we're standing probably right about in here, yeah. Right where we are. So right about in here. Right behind us here when you start getting down that hallway to get to the other rooms. Okay. So, you know, all of that looks pretty, pretty standard. Um, and again, when you're thinking of this, it is really solely transporting people at night. So the, the other thing they're really looking for is for sleeping accommodations for these. So that was also really taken into consideration with the rooms. And then one of the, the rooms that we have, just like a typical sleeper car, we've got our parlor room or the drawing room there. So with that too, we're able to go to these blueprints, we're able to see the exact dimensions of what the benches were like, the any, you know, certain things with the moldings, certain things with some of the decals, um, you know, even with these archways again, what those looked like. And I mean, honestly, down to the nuts, literally the nuts and bolts of the, the, main, uh, the main car, putting it together. So um, honestly, well over a hundred blueprints to sort through. Um, again, since this car was so gutted, some of these blueprints really didn't pertain to what we were doing. Um, it was more of what can we do, how can we use these to recreate this. Um, so some of the things we did when you think of your typical cars, you know, you had the bunks that folded down. You can still see the track work that was here in the car. So some of those things we didn't reinstall because, again, we didn't have the original hardware uh, for it, so we couldn't really do that. Um, so there are some changes there, and that's kind of where that rebuild comes in versus the full restoration. Um, but again, going down to if it wasn't specific that we didn't know about this car, we could look at other cars from the time period, we could look at other drawings, we could look at other Pullman advertisement actually to see what their interiors looked like, what the patterns were on the cars um, for the seats and for the carpet and whatnot. So um, you know, that's a lot of fun, too, because it's, it's that investigative work, that detective work that sure. you and I always yep, enjoyed yep. doing, uh, that you enjoyed doing when you were here, too. Yeah. So, you know, the more the more pieces you find, the more excited you get, and it spurs you on to the next uh, piece. Well, I remember when you were, were picking out the carpet, and you had, and one day I walked in your office, and probably across your desk, there was, I don't know, a couple of dozen 
carpet samples and it was, you know, try to find what was uh, the closest match to what you believed was there. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, again, you're working with different companies. We have great uh, companies in town here that work with either upholstery or with carpeting. Um, and Jacqueline Frank, our CEO, really spearheaded the, the fabric side of things. She has a, a long history, too, with renovations. So um, it was great to, you know, to have the people here on staff that have the experience with that to, uh, to really find as something as close as possible. And it's, it's always fun when you get these vendors in, outside vendors in, to look for some of these things like, well, here's what we want. I want a carpet from the 1930s. It's got to look like this, have a floral <laughs> pattern. What do you got? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. So um, it's, uh, it's one of the added challenges, and it gives you that frustration as you're in the midst of it, working on it, and you're not finding things. But then all of a sudden, that piece pops up and you find the right thing and it looks gorgeous. Now I want you to think about for something for a moment. In every one of these projects, there's always some, some crazy thing that happens. Think about the craziest thing. I want to point out a couple of details for folks. Um, during the process, there was in, in the shop here at the museum, uh, beside the car, the restoration crew had laid out um, on pallets, on shelves, all the different fixtures, all the different parts and pieces, all labeled so that they knew exactly where they went. They got them all back in the right places, yes? Yes, well, as far as we know, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> but, otherwise at this point. <laughs> but, one day I'd walked back there and one of our volunteers was, was sitting there and had a very small paintbrush and just a, a little uh, cursible of, of gold paint. And I said, Pete, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you working on? And if you look at some of the light fixtures that we see around the sections here, he was hand painting the gold detail back onto those fixtures and like the the little sconce that you're looking at right now he actually was also making sure that that white enameling on the inside for reflectiveness was actually all intact um, and it was just a, it was a painstaking job that he was going through but it it really shows in the in the final details here and thank you for mentioning that, too, because uh, Pete Angeli was one of the people I forgot to mention with our volunteer crew. Um, I was worried about who I would miss. So uh, Pete, too, he's an electrician by trade. So the, the electrical work in here, too, because that was all either stripped out or, you know, as railroads did when they were redoing things, every wire was black. So it's not like today where you have your, your ground, you got your, all that. But so, uh, yeah, all the, the lighting, all the electrical had to be redone. Um, you know, even the lighting fixtures up there had to be basically recreated. So we're deciding how we can do that. Larry LePage did a lot of work on those things, too. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it was like we were rebuilding the Lister car, um, but it, it turned out beautifully. And the, the attention to detail and the talent that uh, the team has that worked on this that really shows through with the final product. Okay, craziest thing that happened during the restoration. What did did we find something behind the walls? What was what what was that? What was the odd oddity that threw everybody for a loop or got us a good laugh? You know, the oddity really with this one is just the beginning of scratching our heads. Like, where do we even start? You know, most of the cars it, they're there. We just know, okay, we need to t label these things. We need to take them out. This is what we need to do. This one was a, a full-on, where do we even begin with this? It's kind of like, 
well, we could start there. We got to build a wall before we do this. We need, you know, so it, the, it was kind of just the whole beginning process was an oddity of just figuring out really what to do and how to look at renovation versus rebuild and just the kind of scurrying to think about, okay, well, and this happens with any restoration projects, 10 steps ahead from now, we need to install this. So that means I better be looking to see what we need. Uh, toilets were a good example. Um, where, you know, where do you find a good looking toilet that will look like what they had okay. at the time and trying to figure out uh, uses for that. So thankfully we were able to find um, there, you know, and now with home renovations, everyone is looking to have kind of classic looks and there's more reproductions made out there. So we were able to find toilets that had very close to the same dimensions and look uh, that we could install there. Um, no, it's just so you know, those are one things that, that don't work. The <laughs> lights work, the, the toilets do not. Um, so, you know, it's all those types of things and trying to stay, you know, a few steps ahead. So when the team is ready for those next parts, they're, they're ready to go and put in. Um, but yeah, that was, I think the biggest, the biggest change for us when working on the project, where it, do we even start? It, it's a live chess game. Well, it is. Yeah. And there's there's always so many moving parts because you have one person working on electrical, one is focusing on, okay, who's going to make the seats, then how do we get these upholstered, and others working on, again, with the floor being ripped up, new flooring had to be put in, pieces welded on the exterior. So there's so many different parts, um, and there's only so much space in here to work. <laughs> so uh, it's really, really figuring out all the logistics of that. But, yeah, we have a great team who's done a lot of work, so they, I'm glad they know how to do it. <laughs> So that's kind of the, okay, we went through, we rebuilt, the car is now in the Lenfesti Center, it's, it's on public exhibit. What have, what has the museum and, and say education and yourself learned about the car that, you know, you can now share with the, with the public that is, that's, un, I mean, not necessarily unusual, but okay, you and I understand Pullman sleeping cars and most of the folks that are, are going to be watching understand Pullman, but the the little the the nuances or or maybe I should say it this way, how do you explain this car to someone who is just walking into the museum for the first time? Well, and this one is really interesting because we it is the Chicago Northwestern Joseph Lister hospital car, and when you hear hospital car, everyone immediately is thinking, okay, there's going to be all these gurneys here. We're going to see IV bags hanging. We're going to see you know all of these things. It's like, well, you know, not that there weren't hospital cars like that that were more for intensive care patients traveling them, you know, transporting them, but this really was a sleeper car to bring people to the Mayo Clinic. Now, the interesting thing with it and part of the history of the story is there were those adaptations that when it was built that were different from the regular cars, like we talked about with the wider hallways. They did some different things in the rooms, too. Um, and there were some other things on the exterior that were made specifically for this. So those are those nuances, and especially for train fans who are familiar with the Pullman sleeping cars, those are things that they identify right away because they are very different to that. And so for the train fans, they notice that. For uh, you know regular visitors who are just kind of getting into that, um, getting into this whole uh, experience, you know, they might not see those. So when we talk about the importance of moving people around and how you would do that and how the, the Pullman company really designed that specifically for the people, it's just like today when we need to get a person from point A to point B with an ambulance. Look at how much ambulance have changed over the years and what they can do. Or now, um, you know, helicopters getting people from place to place. So it's those types of things that the railroad was doing in the 1930s that still continues on today. So having kind of that connection piece from past to present. 
And I think also the interesting thing about this car, we, you know, this was in use in the 1930s into the 40s. Um, you know, hospital cars existed before that. I mean, uh, even back as far as the 1860s in the Civil War. And, you know, I think about some of the descriptions that I've read about hospital cars from the Civil War, where you're in a boxcar with hay in it. This, this is just a huge step up. Yeah, well, I mean, this is essentially like a palace car compared to those. I mean, when you're looking at the past, um, and like I said, too, with those extra features, you know, even that rubber, you know, uh, piece underneath, you know, who would have thought to put that in? You know, as you're constructing that, that's so different. And, you know, they're adding that for the comfort of the patient. Um, so those are, and really, that's what the railroad did. I mean, they were an industry. They were serving the public. They were serving people. So they did think about those things. When we talk about restaurant cars, dining cars, they were doing the same thing there. How do we make it, you know, better for the passenger as they're coming along? Um, so yeah, that's it's one of the things the railroad has continued to do throughout its history is, is working for the passenger too. A little, little different than some of the transportation modes today. <laughs> All right, now Daniel, we we still got we got an issue we got to solve here. 1938, and I have this condition, and my doctor said I have to go to the Mayo Clinic. So we've already established I got to get to Chicago, get on to the Rochester Special or Rochester Minnesota Special or Rochester 400, depending what time it was and what the 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 name was on the uh, the timetable. Um, I'm going to imagine I'm going to be on this car or the other one, the E from McDowell, the one you would reference that is is no longer in existence. Um, there were some strange doors on the outside of the car. Um, let's go through the car and we need to unravel that mystery. What, what are these doors doing? So sure. yeah, lead, lead on here. The, again, like our typical Pullman tour, when we go through, we have our main seating area here. There's also our drawing room. So that's pretty typical with those where you'd have your single room. Um, again, there'd be the benches that would slide down. We have an upper berth that would come down too. And the nice feature with this is it had its own restroom. So you have your own personal restroom. So again, this would be a little more deluxe, a little more of an expensive uh, room to have. But again, if, if you can afford it, if you, and if you're traveling with more people to a family or more attendants, this would be a way you could go. And then we also have our other rooms down the hallway. Okay, so we're going to we're gonna sneak down the the hallway here, and and again, I like I like this for me. You know, well, I was just gonna say as we're coming down, this is this is one of the great things because with so many of the trains, even when we have them stationed here, they move when we walk. So sometimes you're kind of bouncing between the walls, but this one is man, this feels really nice. I like this was built for me. I've got a little more elbow room. Well, well it's ample, and I didn't notice that before, but now you mention it. Yeah, we're not we're not bouncing up and down. I mean, if we the, the car that's coupled onto this here at the museum, the Lake Mitchell, which is a, a 1012 sleeping car, Pullman, um, you walk in that, and if you and I are walking here, you know, we're we're bobbing up and down. Okay, we won't do that so that anybody watching doesn't know. <laughs> but yeah, we, <laughs> you don't have that here. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah, and that's, again, when we're talking about that care for the passenger. So the rooms, again. Pretty typical where you have your bed, you have your upper bunk there for the attendant. And what was nice with these, they added the extra feature too. There was like a little commode basically for you. So in the rooms right by your, your mirror, you have this chair where the back would fold down and then you've got your, your sink, your, basically your dry sink. So you'd fill it up with water and could wash. 
and then call for the attendant to take the water away. And then the, uh, the bottom part will open up and we'll see that in one of the other rooms and that's your toilet. All right, and let's do this. Let's, let's, yeah, we're getting, okay. Dan, Diane, our, our, our camera woman for today has just discovered the commode over here in the other room. And we got the up and down view on that. Diane, if you step next door here into the, into this one. So here is what Dan was talking about. There is your, your personal wash basin. And that, of course, then, like you had just showed, flips back up. Also that one. That one we don't have. <laughs> we only have one per room. <laughs> hey, one, we get the idea. We get the idea. Have one that we could basically kind of one layout that we could put together uh, because we could find one of those <laughs> items to basically mock up. But again, even with the the crafts that we have just right behind you there too, so that would be what your attendant would fill up with water so that you can wash in your basin. There's a little cup on the top too, so and that was and that was right out of pictures from uh, from other Pullman advertising looking at different cars like like this one. So we were able to go back and, you know, basically match up exactly where things were positioned, you know, where they had mirrors, what shapes they were in, um, you know, right down to the little luggage racks and everything. So, and thankfully, since we do have the Lake Mitchell car, we were able to take some of the hardware out of that because it was the exact same that would have been in here and reproduce that, get that reproduced. So. Okay. All right. Trains live. We are on location, National Railroad Museum. We're going through the Joseph Lister. And, and folks, in, in typical trains live fashion, you're behind the scenes. This is like conversation happening. So if you're seeing like weird camera angles and odd views of stuff, you're, you're experiencing it the way a tourist would if they were here at the museum. All right. Now, Dan, here's one of those doors. Oddities. There was three of them. There were three of them on three of them on the car here, and okay, I, I don't see these on other Pullmans. What are what are we doing? This this was one of those classic redesigns uh, that the Pullman company did for this car to make it more accessible. So it's one thing to get you know to walk up the steps, go down the wider hallway, and if you need someone to help you, you can have that. But a lot of times, too, you'd have people who were, were invalid or so sick that they couldn't move around and they had to be put on a stretcher. Well, these will open up, and then you have direct access into your room. So this room and the room next to us here were actually made wider. So the outside rooms, this first room that we come to in the last bedroom, a little narrower, more like our typical Pullman cars, these two were made wider, so you can open up the door and you have a clear uh, path right in and can put the person right on the bed. So this again shows that somebody was thinking about the passenger to get in. And we do have one of the few pictures we actually have of the Joseph Lister car is someone getting loaded onto the car uh, by a stretcher. So through one of these doors into the car, um, which is a, a fantastic little piece of history. You know, it's one thing to talk about it, but hey, there it is. There's a great picture of it. And then you can explain how that worked. And, and I'm guessing that someone also had the thought that these doors are ample enough so that a stretcher comes through them, a little bit of room to spare. Yeah. And the other thing, you talk about all the little Pullman details. Pullman windows had always had shades on them. And I'm looking on the door here, and there is the little canister for the shade, even for this particular set of windows 
right on the door. Yep. They, uh, they, they paid attention to the details. Well, they really did, and that's, and that's with any of these cars what you notice most about things, regardless of what the car is, what they did to really outdo their competition. I mean, they wanted, obviously, for the passengers to have a good time and safe trip, but what could they do to make it just that little bit better? Um, so all of these little nuances here, and then these are also things that you're looking at changing, or when we're looking at reproductions, you know, do we have one of these? Or looking at the blueprints again, what does this look like? How can we make it? Can we make it in-house? Do we need to take it out somewhere to get made? So a lot of these things too with the doors, and again with the windows, we had to get all new windows for this. We had to make window frames. Um, so it's, again, all those little pieces right down to the window clips for when you're opening it up. And, um, yeah, so it's whatever, whatever you can do to make it look <laughs> as close as possible to the original. All right, let's, let's move on down the car here. And, uh, we have, we have another set of doors, which again, I'm going to imagine goes into another, another, another stateroom. One of the wider rooms. Yep. Okay. So, and then, that, uh, uh, I also want to point out too, as whoop. we're walking through, through the car, some of the things that you'll see too, you've noticed that there are still holes in some of the areas here. There are still some holes. And why wouldn't we patch those up? Well, part of that too, part of the history is the work that was done in the car, the changes to the car, and everything we do does change the history of it, even if we're restoring it back to the original. So there are certain things we left because that's part of the history of the car too. Um, yes, we could cover them all up, but then we're taking away part of that history. We're taking, we're kind of removing that uh, bunk crew uh, from when the Chicago Northwestern was using it for their trail, their uh, rail crews. So some of those things we left just to kind of tell that story too, um, because that's an important part of the history of the car too. Uh, it's the it's that intermediate chapter before we got here. Um, room stateroom here, two bunks. So uh, probably for a nurse, maybe a physician, an attendant traveling along. Yeah, and this one too could be either, you know, one of the things we don't have a whole lot of records of the people who were on here, but, you know, no doubt there were doctors going back and forth. Um, and with the attendants too, the, the patient would sleep on the bottom bunk and then the top one was available. So all of these rooms here did have the bunk that lowered. And like I said, this was the one that we actually had the hardware for so that we could show it down. Um, and again, with when we're talking about the beds and things too, there... You know, we just don't have mattresses that match this size anymore. <laughs> the the closest, it's kind of, it's almost like a trundle bed size or almost like a, a longer twin size, but not quite. Um, so with with these two, that's another one of those things where you're looking, it's like, oh man, where am I going to find a bed that can fit in here? So thankfully there was a, uh, a place in Michigan who cut foam for various sizes, various thickness and things. So I was able to get that. Um, and I'm happy to say they're actually really comfortable. When I was making the beds, I sat down and I laid down. Oh, this is pretty nice. I could, okay. I could yeah. Diane, Diane is, is crawling in. She's, she's, yeah. Okay. I think we're going to need a new, uh, camera woman here. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, are your Pullman accommodations satisfactory, ma'am? You're, you're okay. Good. All right. We have another satisfied passenger. All right. So we are about now actually, and, and Diane in the room here. And as, she, as she's panned around here, something you, you might have noticed, it really, it's a small room. And you were, Dan, you were mentioning earlier about how they kind of resized the car a little bit. Again, that thinking about um, the the patient and where they're going to be. And this, you know, f for somebody who is probably ambulatory, maybe somebody who is just going to be in their bed for the entire trip, 
there's ample accommodation, but it's smaller, and they, they reallocated the space to where they, they really needed it. Yeah, they did a, a really good job because essentially, you know, it's not as if the car is any bigger than any other passenger car. So they just kind of readjusted the sizes here, um, and it really worked out well. I mean, you're not, when you look at a typical Pullman sleeper room, this is about what you have. So you're not really losing any space if you're getting this room, um, which, you know, is, is good again for, for the passenger. So they, they really thought everything out. Um, the, the doors, I believe, are about 30 inches wide for, for the, the wider doors. Um, but that's enough that it's not going to affect too much in the room. You have enough space to get someone in and out. Um, so, yeah, they, they did a really nice job. And, it, you know, basically the room is set up the same way. It's just you've got a little extra width here on these two rooms. Beautiful. Okay. We are approaching the end of the car. And I'm going to guess that in typical Pullman fashion, um, we're going to be stepping into the ladies' room. Okay, all right. Pullman, Pullman style was always the, the men's room was on one end of the car, the women's room on the other end. And, you know, this is one thing that always amazed me. George Pullman did not have a real good reputation with, with women and how he felt about them, how he treated them professionally. But if you were a lady and were riding on a Pullman car, your accommodations were good. They were better than what the men's were. And there's some touches in here that really exemplify that. Yeah, in the men's room, you know, you've got a kind of a bench, a couch there. So it's also, you know, kind of the smoking room there. Um, and then you'd also have with some of the other rooms, too, where you had the porters where that's where they would be doing some of their work if they're polishing shoes and, and doing some of that. With the women's room here, you know, you, you still have a good amount of space. You've got kind of this bench right here, this uh, tabletop, and that's, you know, kind of your little area where you can put on makeup. They'd also have some uh, some seats there, and then on some of the Pullman cars, the other sleepers too, you would maybe even have someone that could do your hair for you. You'd have another attendant who could would do that for you, much like the porter would be serving you. So... You know, again, it's really interesting to see what little aspects, you know, we're, we kind of think of that today when people talk about cruise ships or other, you know, really high-end travel uh, things where it's, yeah, you get all these different accommodations, you get all these perks. Well, they did that for the trains, too. I mean, you've, you have your area where the men could shave or get a shave, you know, get a nice hot shave, and the ladies can get uh, their hair done and have their makeup on, so it's... Pretty swanky for, for a car. Here. The way we traveled back in the 30s. Right. All right. We're going to step over to Mr. Bob's Railroad Bookshelf. Yeah, we got a couple things for today, but I tell you what. There's one thing on the bookshelf today that we've been talking about on other episodes that I'm, I'm going to show you live and in person today. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a curator. All right. He works at a museum. You could also call him a librarian. And there have been comments. You have, you have dialed in and said, hey, Bob, some of the books you're showing us, they're not going to be in the library. Okay, this is where you come see Mr. Dan. And you say, Dan, I'm looking for X information. Might you have a book on it? Might you have material on it? Remember, he's your friend. Okay? He's your friend. Now. I've got the keys to get in everywhere. <laughs> he keeps the good stuff. Trust me. Hey, on the bookshelf today, just one entry. And um, you know what? You get to play me for a moment. Yes, I <laughs> Steam, Steel, and Limiteds. 
Um, classic book. It is an older one, folks. This is one that you probably can find in your library as it is a little more of a popular uh, train book um, written by William Cratville. Uh, Mr. Cratville used to work for the Union Pacific Railroad, also for Amtrak for a time, was a great photographer. The book talks about all different passenger trains, mainly from the heavyweight era, which is, of course, the Lister, what we're in. And of all the places that you're going to find information about the Lister in a book, Cratville has a small entry here talking about the car, what it was like walking through uh, the Rochester Special when this car was on board. There's even a little diagram, kind of a a mini blueprint of what Dan has been showing us, a uh, timetable for the, the train there itself. But take a look, Steam, Steel, and Limiteds by Mr. Cratville. Probably one of the few places that you're going to find actual book information about the Joseph Lister. Okay? And remember, this is a curator. He's your friend. <laughs> hey, beautiful job. Beautiful job. I mean, it just... Like I said, I had seen it when it was in the shop and, and you know, when I used to, to work here and it was, honest to God, when we were using it as a storage unit, I didn't say that, <laughs> um, incredible transformation. And and the guys in the shop, man, just, I don't know, go buy them donuts from me or something, okay? Um, and it's been a pleasure seeing you again. Yeah, thanks to you too. Yeah. yeah, thanks for coming out. And, you know, as we were walking in today, um, there was other things we saw in and Diane and Vince were kind of like, going, we got we to do that. Gotta, no, no, I was the one that was doing, we got to do that. We got to do that. So I'm sure we'll be back here at the National Railroad Museum to look at other incredible pieces. So, um, hey, before we go, KalmbachHobbyStore.com. You need something for your model railroad, you're looking for a current train book, um, looking for back issues of the magazine or one of our special interest publications, KalmbachHobbyStore.com. Listen, I want to see you on trains.com very soon. And also, I really want to see you behind an issue of Trains Magazine. Do you like what you hear? Listen, check out this episode in video with a trains.com unlimited membership. Click the link in the episode notes and watch it today. Oh, wait a minute, not a member? Try our 30-day free trial of trains.com the ultimate online portal for anyone who loves trains of any size from any era. Trains.com, it's your home for the most comprehensive railroading news and curated video series, articles, photos, and so much more, all about trains.